This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You've discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast. Now, here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of the PowerCat Questions podcast brought to you by Fridge Wholesale Liquor here in the Go PowerCat Home Studio and Dog Adventure Center. I don't know. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, Ryan Gilbert, and Cole Carmody. It's a four-man crew. I've always wanted a foursome. Here we go. It's a foursome. It's a foursome with my fellas. Our segment sponsors, if they want to be mentioned anymore, are Tanners and the High Low. Uh, uh, Tanners, yeah. We well, okay. We tried to watch basketball last night, and one of Tanners' big nights is Singo, which is the song version of Bingo. Not my thing. It's reaching a different demographic than old and uh, male. Let's put it that way. Uh, and it was wall-to-wall people, so we couldn't watch basketball. So we went to uh, another Aggieville establishment. Not Charlie won't mind so long. We went over there and enjoyed our basketball. Went home. I did. The young guys stayed out because they're young guys and they can do that. We tried to go to the Hilo. Hilo was closed Tuesdays. I forgot they're closed mm-hmm. on Tuesdays. Anyhow, dogs are wandering from human to human, getting attention. Kind of like I am in a bar, just wandering around. Asking people to scratch me behind the ears, which is also what I do when I go to the fridge. I get great service there. It's your questions from Wabash Station. We're going to start off with some football. I think we might touch on some baseball because Zach put it in the wrong part of the podcast because Zach. It's okay. We'll get through. Okay. And reading your questions in the first half is the one and only Ryan Gills Gilbert. First question is from KNED. What are your impressions on the maturity and honesty of the Will Howard press conference? Yeah, I was good. Um, I asked him flat out, what did Will Howard learn about himself from last year? And I thought his answer was spectacular. Had it up on the site. Um, let me ask you this. Gills, did, did you think he looked different? Yeah, he looked more mature, yeah. He older. did. He kind of didn't have the baby face. It's remarkable. He's he's not that much older. It's only been three months since we saw him, four months since we saw him last. And they've talked about in the weight room how he's uh, kind of filled out. He's put on some good muscle mass, lost a little of his baby fat. But I think you could see it in his face. He didn't look like a little kid as much. It, it's going to be an interesting year for him to go from playing to not playing. But, man, I, I, I remember my freshman year. I was barely equipped to you know, handle everything that goes with being a college freshman, let alone be the damn starting quarterback. I don't know how he did it. And I thought he handled himself extremely well throughout the year. I think that Will Howard has, you you mentioned a very interesting year. He might have the most interesting year of anybody that played last season because of everything that went on. And for him to come in and, and even have a chance to play without them even having an off season, 
I think he's the most interesting thing. And take away how he performed, just the fact that the coaches have that much confidence in him right now that they want to put him in a package, a goal line package. I've heard them talk about mm-hmm. that. That 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 should just say a lot about their future plans right now with Will Howard. I don't want to say that it's going to be a competition in the fall, but you know, at least you know him playing last year and Skyler coming off an, of an injury. I don't think it's completely out of the question either. And I think that Will is showing, you know, through the media, hey, I'm mature. You know, I played last year. I, I learned about myself, and I'm learning about myself this offseason that, you know, he's going to be a good quarterback once Skyler truly is out of the picture. But I don't know if that's going to be this year. He might have to go back to the bench, like you said. Uh, man, I tell you what, 2022, if Skyler stays healthy all through 21, 2022 is going to be something else. Those two young quarterbacks are going to go at it. Mm-hmm. And Will Howard will have a big advantage because of what ha- happened his freshman year. That playing time, I mean, now getting a year to absorb more of it and, you know, play some cleanup duty. But I'm sure Jake Rubley will get some cleanup duty because he gets the four games and to maintain your red shirt. It's going to be really fascinating. And, 2022 that quarterback battle we'll probably cover it a little bit at gopiracat.com just saying from adam k 63 do you see the switch in position groups with messingham and ray paying off in the long run well i understand the theory behind what they've said publicly i mean i i agree that i i think there was a little bit of the play caller knowing the tight ends and running back skill sets a lot better than the wide receivers. So, but I just think the wide receivers underperformed. I, they can say what they want. Jason Ray got demoted. That's, I truly believe that. I, I mean, they've told him now, um, we need you to pick it up. I've seen him pop up on a recruit lately, which is something we don't see much from him, which is troubling for any young coach to not be showing up on a bunch of recruits. Um, I, I think the message was sent to kick it into gear or, um, this isn't going to work out. I mean, his, his answer, I appreciate the spin he put on it, that he wanted more experience as a young coach, and he never coached the running backs and tight ends. It moves him closer to the ball. Um, and all of that is true. I mean, that's that's not lying about how it will impact his career. It, it's probably a little bit deceptive about why it took place. I mean, his first words in the quote, and I asked him the question, was uh, – I really don't remember how it went down. Come on, man. You do too. You you got your position changed. You're a receiver that got pulled off of receivers. You know how it went down. So um, hopefully it works out for the best. Uh, But when you have a young coach coaching receivers, that guy should have his guys locked in, focused, and he should be tearing up the recruiting trail. We haven't seen either one of those things from Jason, who is a fantastically nice guy. But... I'm I'm praying that Chris Kleiman doesn't fall into the same trap that Bill Snyder did. That you, you keep guys around because they're good guys and you know them and you trust them and you, you don't push the envelope. Eventually, Bill Snyder ended up with all of his friends coaching around him, but were the guys that nobody else wanted to hire. Right? I mean, we've already seen Courtney Messingham Excuse me. We've already seen Scotty Hazelton go. Um, and I think Connor Riley will be. People come after him if they have a big year with running the ball. Um, you know, there's, Van Malone's going to be a head coach. I mean, if I was an AD, I'd hire him in a second. And um, so you're going to have some of your better coaches get peeled off. 
And at some point, do you just end up with the older guys that nobody else really wanted or the young guys who aren't dynamic enough to go recruit? It's it's a problem when you're Kansas State. It's not a problem when you're North Dakota State because you can always fill that position in because someone wants to coach at Alabama. You know, someone wants to coach at any powerhouse, no matter what level. When you're Kansas State, you got to compete a little bit more for the coaches. So um, you better keep the good ones, and you better make sure the ones that aren't pulling their weight do. Everyone's got to row the boat. Do you think this is a indictment on Messingham too? I mean, is this something where Kleiman told Messingham, "Hey, we underperformed on the offensive side of the football, and we got to do something." And so this is that's I, I could totally see this as a situation where not only is this Jason Ray's last opportunity, but this might be Messingham Kleiman telling Messingham, "Hey, if we have a problem at this position, you're the guy who's in charge because he is the guy in charge on the offense. This is all on you. So f- figure out a way to fix it." You were going somewhere totally different with that F sound. (laughs) I'm I'm with you, Cole. That's kind of where I was going to go. You know, with Ray, is there really much improvement? I mean, he gets Daniel Matterbebe, Nick Linners, Sammy Wheeler. If those guys underperform, you know, yeah, it looks bad for Jason Ray. But if they perform, you know, as as what they're supposed to do, especially Nick Linners, I mean, waiting on Nick Linners to finally perform, I don't think that's going to be coaching. That's up to Nick. You know, the other two, if they play well, they were just used well on the offense, I think. I don't think there's any benefit, at least for from Jason Ray's perspective, that you can look at with that coaching move being like, yeah, that was a good move. I mean, they're just tight ends and fullbacks, in my opinion. And then with Messingham, you move them out to wide receiver. If they're bad at wide receiver again, what are you doing? You know, what are you doing? I think that, yeah, this could go bad, not just for Jason Ray, but for Courtney Messingham. If the wide receivers are bad, it's going to be a rough offseason next year. Uh, I'll be blunt here. I think the message that the receivers were fine, the coaching was bad, was sent by the fact that they didn't go get anyone out of the portal at this spot. They felt like they have the guys that can perform. They just didn't perform. I mean, if... I'm astonished they didn't get someone out of the portal at receiver. Just astonished. So that tells me they they feel good about the spot. I don't. No. I, there's nothing that makes me feel good about receiver. I don't think they're dynamic enough at receiver, period. So they must attribute a lot of it to coaching, and we'll we'll see if that improves. But you're right. I mean, now, Courtney, this is where he's coached. He's coached quarterbacks and receivers. But if you're having problems on the offense – um, and the offensive line got dramatically better, so it's not their fault. I thought they did a pretty good job. I thought they were better last year than they were with all the seniors the year before. And, of course, running back performed pretty darn well. I mean, you're going to get Brian Anderson credit for Deuce Vaughn. I don't know, but he got him ready. I mean, let's keep that in mind. We talk about Will Howard getting thrown into the mix as a true freshman. Well, Deuce Vaughn was too. Now, the difference is that Deuce could – if there was a weakness in his game, they could take him off the field and put someone else in like Harry Trotter. But I thought the running backs performed well. They certainly caught the ball well. So that leaves you with two guys over there, you know, probably to, to mess with. And, and, well, it's not going to be quarterback. I mean, quarterback was what it was. So you're going to swap those guys, and hopefully that solves the problem. If it doesn't, it's going to be a rough season. They have to become more dynamic on offense. And... um. Or they have to become more powerful 
if, you know, if they want to be North Dakota State was you can't stop us. Hey, we're going to run this play, but you can't do anything about it. And I don't know if they're even close to that level, so they're probably going to have to come up with more dynamic play calling that puts position players in position to make big plays. From Dr. J54, that proposed football practice facility, has anyone suggested putting a couple floors of parking under it? If there was a tunnel to Bramwich, it could be a highly desirable place to park. Okay, well, I'm going to uh, break some news on the podcast, which I don't normally do. Wow. I don't normally do that. This is a special day. And and here's why it's a special day. It's because I'm an idiot and I forget to share it on Wabash. But I'm just going to put it out there. So, so we're going to need to put it on Wabash before the podcast goes live, it sounds like. Yeah. So it's old news to everybody. Sorry. Yeah. If, you, if you're a member. There is a plan uh, circulating campus right now being run by, uh, run through the departments that it impacts, most notably agronomy and green sciences to put the practice facility where it should be across the street. And I don't know if it involves where the, the sheep parking is or actually taking down some buildings that should have never been built there. When they built those ag buildings across the street from football, I was astonished. I'm like, what are you doing? I know that's their land. I get that. But athletics is so important to any you know, Power 5 institution. You just landlocked your sports facilities. I mean, you just landlocked them. So now if you want to expand, you have to do it in a, you know, a confined space, which is what they were going to have to do by building the practice facility in the east parking lot, which was, it's a horrible plan. It's aesthetically, it's bad. It's bad. You know, parking, it causes issues that, look, we're spoiled by the parking, but it does cause issues. But aesthetically, it's horrible. I mean, you got a practice facility will be the first thing you see coming down Kimball. Uh, no, that's not what you want. Apparently, the plan is on the table to, I don't know how they're going to access it. It will be a walkway over the top, like I've long said there should be. But, uh, yeah, it'll be, they're looking at across the street into the into the ag fields. Somewhere will be the practice facility, which is where it always should have been. But, again, it's it's going to be not walkable directly from your football facility, which is what they wanted. So it's less than ideal. Need time to process this. It's like half a this mile, a quarter of a mile. What? It's right just, across the street. Just right over the yeah. top street. A couple, a couple hundred feet. That is walkable, isn't it? Yeah, it's walkable, but they wanted to be able to get into their... The, the new practice facility would have been connected to the, the veneer expansion that went to the east. Just build a little tunnel, and they can walk to it. And that's, 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 that's what that's I'm wondering what if they will do. Literally dig up everything. Mm-hmm. Which will make Kimball even more fun for a longer period of time. Well, they're already gonna. I mean, I know. Once, once they once they move closer to the east, finally they're almost done with the current intersection at, at Kimball and College. But you know, the next stage is gonna further and further and make it all the way out to I think Tuttle Creek. They're gonna redo yeah. everything, put a median in. I think maybe it just goes to Denison. Well, I think they're gonna, they're gonna put in a median up the little bend that's really dangerous. It's not dangerous if you pretend you're NASCAR. Mm-hmm. No. I mean, if everyone would just get together and pretend going around that corner is like you're in a racing event, we'd all be fine. <laughs> you rub some bumpers. <laughs> you don't see NASCAR guys flipping each other. Oh, yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Yeah, never mind. Um, yeah, but put if, a tunnel under there. 
if you know if you're going to shut that down, you might as well say, hey, if we're going to build a construct, if you know if if there's a possibility that we could expand to the other side, we might as well put a tunnel in. And even if you're not going to expand, put a tunnel in so people can cross. Right, I agree with that totally. For games, and then then Google how the Dutch put a tunnel under a highway in one weekend. Have you seen that? No, it's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. They actually built a tunnel under like what would be our interstate highway in one weekend. Wow. I'm not sure how they did it. But basically the tunnel's pre-built. They take out the roadway, shove the tunnel in place, and build the roadway back over the top of it. It's I hope J.E. Dunn is listening to this. I'm sure they do. I'm, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty, pretty sure they, they've taken a lot of my ideas for the Shamrock Zone and made them reality. <laughs> I like big TVs. They're putting in big TVs. My idea. You I like mean, bars? And I like bars. In bars. They're putting in a bar. Uh, I like sweets. They're doing that, too. It's all my ideas. You like sweets. I do like sweets, so they better have candy available, too. And I like party decks, and they're going to have one of those. It's pretty much all me. And I'm Irish, and they named it the Shamrock Zone. Just saying. But anyhow, that plan's out there. I don't know if it's the plan that's being acted upon or if they're still just reviewing what is possible with um, putting it across there, if it's feasible. How does that impact those buildings that are there, which, you know, seems ridiculous to tear down and rebuild, but maybe that's part of the deal. Maybe athletics rebuilds it. So I don't know. All I know is I'm worried about where the sheep are going to poop. <laughs> where, where are the sheep? The sheep used to be where the foundation is. The sheep have wandered into the middle there, that one parking lot. I think maybe they wandered back too. I don't know. It seems I like. I couldn't tell you where the sheep are. Because where I remember the sheep being, the sheep have been displaced by a... You seem like a guy that would know where the sheep are, but that's just me. (laughs) I I hope you're not trying to say what I think you're trying to say. I'm sorry, I was bad. No, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. You can't. You're asking the questions. Ah, Next question. Buckle up. From El Camino Cat. Were the John Curry years at K-State the pinnacle for department-wide athletic success? In those eight years... Football had a conference championship, two 10-win seasons and seven bowl appearances. Men's basketball, a conference championship, an elite eight appearance, six NCAA tournament appearances. Baseball, a conference championship, NCAA Super Regional, and three NCAA appearances. Women's basketball, four NCAA appearances and two NITs. Volleyball, Sweet 16, five NCAA appearances. And track, the rise of Eric Kennard. Did I say that right? Mm-hmm. You yes. did. Good for me, look at me go. And Big 12 Women's Track Champion. Kids. Is this as champ? Does that mean... Did, did they win? I don't know. I don't think I don't they won. Track. I'm sorry. I don't think what? they won track when... Yeah. When Curry was here. I think they did. Anyways, was, looking back, okay. yeah. it sure seems like we had everything rolling pretty well, says El Camino Cat. Well, in some ways, but, I mean, you, there's no world in which you can give John Curry credit for Bill Snyder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He wanted to fire him. I mean, he actually went to his boss... And ask how do how do I fire Bill Snyder? And even Kirk Schultz, who was out of touch, still laughed at him. I mean, he and he ran off a basketball coach that a big part of the fan base liked, who had you know a lot of those tournament appearances. Baseball wasn't his coach. I mean, this this was my thing. This is why I said what I did about Gene with the uh, on the daily delivery. We give ADs a lot of credit for wins and losses, but 
I mean, unless they're the one directly hiring the coaches. You know, you're my guy, and boom, something takes off. You know, there's there's certain athletic departments who keep hiring Arkansas State football. Whoever their AD, whoever's doing their hiring, and they keep hiring good coaches. It's been incredible. Who's your coach now who they just hired? I couldn't They hired you. someone. Oh, they hired uh, the Tennessee guy. Jones. Got fired there. Anyhow. Hmm. I mean, unless they're doing that, where you can obviously point that they're great at hiring, it, it really comes about, comes down to fiscal management, which John Curry was good at, was great at, um, and fundraising, again, good. So what I would give John Curry credit for uh, is the off-the-field stuff. The on-the-field stuff happened, I truly believe, despite him or, you know, he was working against his coaches consistently. He was threatened by he was threatened by alphas, so he had Deb Patterson fired, and she was probably the most alpha coach I've ever been around. Um, you know, he, he ran off Frank, another alpha. He hated Bill, clearly an alpha. Um, it was just an ongoing situation of harassment with his coaches. And most coaches feel that way. I mean, he probably was just hand off to Cliff Revolto because he didn't care. I don't know what K-State pays Cliff Revelto, but I would like to take all the money being earned by coaches who aren't making a profit for the institution and just give it to Cliff Revelto because he's not earning money for the institution and he kicks ass with what he has and he's underfunded. That's the coolest thing. I'm Go back to the, the indoor facility thing. Once they get that built, he's going to have a badass indoor facility right next to his track for indoor track. I mean, K-State could really be in a special place. Now, if they would fully fund men's track, maybe we'd see something happen. The fact we're not fully funded in men's track is absurd and obscene to me. It really is. How are they not fully funded? What are you doing over there? You're making... <laughs> oh, is it your chair against the yeah, wall? I was just... We're kind of packed in here. This is not as ideal as the we're old We're not one. socially distanced, are we? No, we're all we're all good. Um, I, I They don't have the full... Allocation of scholarships for men's track. I'm, I'm almost positive. Uh, it's actually cross country isn't men's cross country isn't scholarship. What? I'm pretty sure. Hmm. That's wow. why they always suck. It makes sense. <laughs> and, and that's the big advantage of you can scholarship scholarship a woman in cross country, and then you don't have to use a track scholarship. And they compete in both. Hmm. Maybe I just made all that up, but that's that's me. No, they're not fully funded in track, men's track. I'm almost positive. So do you think that the John Curry years, you said that they won in spite of him. If yeah. John Curry were the AD right now, would the Shamrock Zone be going in? Would the, oh, yeah. Or if you think that would be going in? Yeah, all, all the – The money doesn't really matter. I mean, the, the, the building – Gene Taylor is a good replacement for John Curry when it comes to the business of college athletics. See, the problem I have with – with John is he was smarter than his predecessors in fundraising and building. He was, but he also thought he was smarter in everything else. And Gene Taylor doesn't believe that. Gene Taylor came in and looked at the fundraising and said, well, I'm just going to keep doing this. And, and granted, he's the one who ended up removing Bill Snyder, but the it had to be done. I mean, it was just sliding down so quickly. At, towards the end, it was they were headed to a three-win season. I mean, it was just coming apart if you really knew everything going on behind the scenes. So, um, 
He's trying to fix those things without being overdramatic, and he's trying not to break things. So you see that reflected in El Camino getting kind of back to it. Is he's overly cautious as opposed to John was overly reckless with handling of personnel. Gene's overly cautious. He, he, he can imagine a, a worse baseline, which I can't, than what we're seeing from Bruce Weber because now, now he thinks he's bottomed out. So why would you fire him after he bottomed out when he's going back up? It's just kind of a, you know, never nothing ever gets solved. Uh, honestly, I'm surprised they haven't made a change in women's basketball. I think he boxed himself in by a statement, I'm not going to fire coaches after a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Because I have a feeling they want to make a move on him, but they won't do it because he said that. And plus, again, you don't sign a Olympic sport coach to a contract and buy it out. You write it out. Unless it's, you know, unless there's something wrong going in the program. If they're cheating, academics stink, there's player issues, you know, you know, maybe they're a bunch of criminals running around town. If they're good citizens... And they're not cheating. You keep them on. You, you don't. You don't take a bad financial situation and make it worse by buying out a coaching contract in a non-revenue sport. Non-revenue sport, which is everything except men's basketball and football, and baseball in certain schools. Not K State, though. I wish it was. Wouldn't it be fun? Not yet. Like I feel like we talk about that all. Twenty-five hundred fans a game. God, that'd be awesome. <clears throat> I mean, we don't have enough to do in Manhattan. It'd be fun to go out to the ball yard and have a beer and a dog. No offense, guys. Um, and, you know, watch the cats play. I feel like Pete could get it there. Just needs to get some breaks and stay healthy and get going here in the Big 12. Speak of the Devils, last question of the first half is from Ohio Power Cat. I was ready to jump on the baseball bandwagon in hopes of having something to cheer for. However, after the series sweep with Oklahoma State, I have to ask, are the Bat Cats really not that good? I'll take this one to start. And they're, they're a good baseball team. Like I, I am a, in full belief that this K-State team can win games in the Big 12. I picked them fifth in an article that I put up on the site. And I think they can get there. The pitching is what makes this team competable. Is it competable a word? Competable. Competitive. Competitive. <laughs> but I like competable a lot. Competable. competable. It's a good word. Hmm. Okay. There you go. That's you the, just Dick Vitale the shit out of that thing. <laughs> <laughs> they can win, and this weekend is going to be interesting because Texas Tech. I think when I last time I looked was number four in the country. Just, just number four. Just number. They're four. not. They're not top three. They're not thirteen like Oklahoma State was. Yeah. They're going to be fine. I think that. I think they're going to be fine. The the Big Twelve is just ungodly good. It really is. And, and we learned Wednesday during our. Zoom press conference with Pete that they're beating up. They're playing two freshmen on the infield. Their first baseman's injured. They're having center field issues. They're kind of searching around uh, at that spot to find someone. Um, and they're doing what no team can do is they're extending possessions, essentially, to use a football or, mm-hmm. or a basketball term. Anytime you commit an error, you let a good team get some more cracks at the bat, you're going to pay for it. So that's what they did at Oklahoma State. They know they have some issues right now. They have some ongoing. Cole said he, he learned about injuries on the press conference today yeah. when Coach Hughes brought him up. So 
Uh, it's going to probably be – if they can get one out of this weekend, I'll be overjoyed. This is a really good tech team. What K-State needs is they need a really good defensive game with an arm that, that provides – you know, limits the hits, and then when you field the ball, you throw it to the right place. K-State, K-State needs – if they can get four runs, realistically, if you get four runs – you have a chance to win the game. Right. And they have not gotten four runs recently. I think they scored five runs, but they gave up 14 last Friday night. But if Jordan Wicks, the Friday night starter, pitches like he can, which he's going to be a top, 15, a top 15 pick in the first round in the Major League Draft, which is so cool. I mean, when was the last time K-State had anybody in any sport go that high in a draft? I don't know if it's ever happened. That would be a question for you, Fitz. But, I mean, if they can get four runs on Friday night, they're going to have a chance to win because Jordan Wicks is that good. Very good. Yeah. Zach, you got lots of thoughts on that? Thank yeah, I you. Just, I just I think that the, the, the amount of offense is just lacking. You know, you can have Jordan Wicks, but like you said, you need the offense to back it up. And if, if you're only asking for four runs, I still don't feel like that's enough. You know, I feel like you need six or seven. For this team, though, I mean... I'm not so sure right now they're capable of scoring six or seven. In the yeah, that's score. what I mean. Is like we can say this team's good, but if they can't score six or seven runs night in, night out, are they really that good? I mean, yeah, I get that the Big 12's good, but we can talk about pitching all we want, but pitching doesn't win games. You know, you need the bats to do it. I think this is a Bruce Weber baseball team as far as – Defense, defense, <laughs> defense, defense. And, and it's worked in the past. I mean, you think about when K State was offensively challenged with basketball, but they were damn good on defense. It still won them some games, and they finished middle of the conference, made the NCAA tournament. Now, I'm not saying that it's an exact same scenario, but if you are good pitching, if you are good on defense, you can finish in the middle of the conference and make the NCAA tournament. And I think every single K State baseball fan would be ecstatic if that happened. Very good. That's the first half of the Powercat Questions podcast brought to you by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. On the back half here, we're going to dig into some hoops, and Zach's going to take the calm and lead us through some more of your questions from Wabash Station. The Powercat Podcast will be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. 
Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We now send it back to the PowerCat podcast. Welcome back to the PowerCat questions podcast brought to you by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. I am Tim Fitzgerald. We got a, a quad, a quadette. Quartet. A quad, quadraphone. Uh, I don't know. I think Cortez probably right. Zach Carlson giving me funny looks. Ryan Gilbert looking funny and cool Carmody, the world's <laughs> nicest guy, in between them. <laughs> and three dogs arrayed sleeping in what is becoming an exceedingly hot studio. We've got seven beings in this room. That's okay. This is the first time we've had all four in here. Have you had the uh, COVID yet? No, nope, but I got my first vaccine. That's right. That's right. You didn't have the COVID. You you were supposed to be home today, I got but you're a lot of other things. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to go home, and my stepsister's got COVID, so I'm here. That's good. I still don't think she has COVID. They just told you that. <laughs> Zach has had the COVID. I think I might have COVID again. <laughs> yeah, you sound horrible. Uh, how's the smeller going? Is it the sniffer doing okay? Uh, no. I mean, it's like fifty-fifty. Okay. I can smell like body wash when I smell it like really quickly, but. How about your Axe body spray? Can you smell that? I don't use Axe body spray. I'm not in middle school fits. You seem like a Dove Men Plus care type of guy. No, absolutely not. What's wrong with that? It's a good thing. I've I've gotten some of that, and the body wash is way too runny. It's like water. Yeah. Old Spice only. Old Spice has good products now. Like, not their actual Old Spice. But I'm using some Old Spice lotion that is actually nice. It's too fragrant but it, it actually works really well so it makes keeps me supple <clears throat> we're gonna move on now to more of your questions <laughs> from all batch station zach carlson takes over as we turn our attention to hoops and this could get interesting from el camino cat is mark smith an upgrade over dejuan gordon you know i'm getting mixed reviews on that um but I'm going to say yes, and here's why. Mark Smith is known as an outside shooter. He has regressed statistically as he's gone through his career, which is troubling. But those I've spoken with attached to Missouri thinks he just lost his confidence, that the coaching didn't work in him. You know, maybe it's about coaching style. And I know this, Bruce Weber will build his confidence with hugs and smiley faces. So And text messages. Text messages at 11 p.m. in the middle of the night to Bruce. Um, so it, I don't think his confidence will struggle. He'll be given an opportunity to score. And one of my buddies who's a Mizzou fan said when he got going, it was pretty fun to watch because he can stroke it from all over. So that's not Dejuan Gordon. He thought he could do those things, but he can't. The question becomes, can he defend at that level and can he rebound at the Dejuan level and do the athletic things? He doesn't finish well at the rim, which Dejuan does. So we know that. But I'm also told that he's a really good locker room guy. When you see someone that's transferred from Illinois to Missouri, now Missouri to Kansas State, I immediately think this guy's trouble. They said just the opposite. He's, he's loved in the locker room. In fact, every one of his teammates at Missouri tweeted, you know, their support of him when he transferred out. So that's good, and honestly, that's that's an upgrade over Dejuan, who was generally okay in the locker room, but we've since heard now that there were some issues there. So they, while they will play the same role, they will do so differently. 
And I think having a three-point shooter in that role is much more productive for the team as long as Selton Miguel can step forward and improve his outside shot. Because, you know, he can take it to the rack and get some of those things done, but you need him doing both things. They're really deep in the backcourt, and I don't understand it. Um, I think they need a big guy out of the portal, a, you know, a six seven, six eight guy that can play the four. But they're apparently going to go very, very small next year. You nailed it right on the head. You said everything I was going to say. I mean, to answer the question, yes, 100%, because Mark Smith can hit an outside shot. So Dejuan, he really couldn't do that. And, you know, like you talked about kind of the issues in, in the locker room with Dejuan, you know, Smith is not a bad guy at all. Um, you know, which he's kind of needed a, a change of scenery for Missouri. So I'm happy for, for him to come to K-State, and I look forward to seeing what he can do. And I'd I'd rather take him over Dejuan. You mentioned he, he's not going to go grab as many rebounds and get to the rim, but he's going to be a guy that – Trey Harris and Brian Patrick were supposed to be at K-State, that guy that comes in and hits those threes, or even Kazuki for that matter. So I'm excited for him. I really am. I think it's interesting because if Selton Miguel can turn into the player that Dejuan Gordon was turning into, this is a tremendous get. But if that doesn't happen with Selton Miguel, not only do you lose, I think, a lot of athleticism, you lose defense and rebounding too, which you talked about, Fitz. But if Miguel can do what Dejuan was doing and Mark Smith can come in and average 10 points a game like he has everywhere else. I mean, I think this is a, this is a win-win, but I think a lot of that depends upon Selton Miguel and, and maybe I'm off on that, but I just, I think Selton Miguel has to take a step forward next year in order for this basketball team to be better. I think you make a good point. I think in the coach's eyes, Selton Miguel's Dejuan's replacement and they're bringing in a guy to do something that they just don't have on the roster. The six, five guy that can shoot it from outside. So I think that's fair to say that they're looking at Selton to replace days one, not Mark Smith. It might replace his roster spot, but his role is going to be different. I'm curious. What do you guys think over Selton days or probably not days Selton, Mike and, and Mark, there's only going to be three of those guys that can start because Mark told Two me he's guys. not going to, I guess, yeah, pardon me, too. I can't talk today. Everyone's <laughs> messed right. up. Because um, Mark told me he's not going to play the four spot. So that makes me think that, you know, maybe a guy like Landers or Lingard might start at the four. If Murphy's healthy, knock on wood, he'll be there. So who would you take on the bench there? Well, I find it curious that they're not getting a four. Mm-hmm. So that tells me that they they small. think they can get Carlton Lingard healthy or they think Suri Lewis is the real deal. Mm-hmm. And I kind of agree with them. He shows flashes there that there's something about this kid yeah. that he could be really disruptive at the four. You know who he reminded me of? He reminded me of some of those guys that I watched the Pac-12 put on the floor. Mm-hmm. Just kind of like their hair's on fire, and they're incredibly athletic, and they do stuff, and you're like, what the hell? You didn't know that went in. You know? <laughs> I saw a guy for, I don't even know who it was, um, maybe Oregon State. That his first shot was the ugliest thing I've ever seen. And then he hit his next three. I mean, it was just kind of an inconsistency about him, but he was incredibly athletic. So that tells me they, they do have belief in that Landers is going to come in and give them something. And maybe Sari Lewis is the other guy. I'm honestly really shocked there hasn't been someone else into the portal. I, I mean, I, I'm really, really surprised. I'm pleased. Don't get me wrong. I'm not cheering for that. I, I just am really – a guy like Carlton Lingard seems like a guy that might say – I could play a whole hell of a lot more down a step. But the key with him is he doesn't see himself as a post, even though he's 6'11". 
whatever he is, he sees himself as a, a stretch four. And it, if you can find the right matchup where he can defend and shoot and you know, do the things that he can do from the outside, that could be really advantageous. But this conference in all of college basketball is getting smaller. Mm-hmm. It just is. Um, and you already have a true post. Whether it's Bradford or Iziagu, it doesn't matter which one's on the floor. You've got a true post on the floor, which is becoming rarer and rarer in college basketball. But I think the best teams tend to have that, too. I mean, we saw that, you know, McCormick's more of a true post. You, you saw some of the good teams that really have that. So I like that. Um, but are they dominant enough in the middle to free up everyone else to be four guards or four you know, small forwards and down? I don't know. Well, we'll see how they play it out, but they must feel good about that power forward spot or they plan on going without a power forward. From El Camino Cat again, is the addition of Mark Smith and Marquise Noel. Is that how you say it? We were talking about that Noel? last night. Noel? Marquois. I think it's, it's a, Marquois. Marquois Noel. Is, is it French? Marquois. <laughs> uh, is that a signal that the staff thinks they need to win now? Oh, I think they absolutely know that. Not, I don't even think that's pressure from above or from below or sideways from the fans. They just know they need to win. I mean, they're competitors. They don't find anything acceptable about three wins followed by four wins in conference play. They want to be back in the damn tournament, and that's what I think their threshold should be. I'm not sure Gene Taylor's holding them to that, but I think that's what it should be. Yeah, they got to get better, man. They're not, they're not very good. They're not good enough. They got nice pieces, but not enough pieces. I wish they'd go back in the portal and find another piece, not another guy that could play the point. Both these guys could play the point. Mark Smith might be 6'5", but he's played the point some. So, I mean, it's just weird. I know they want to get Pack off the ball, but you put Pack off the ball with a 5'7 point taking over, you are really small. You got two under six foot guys. I mean, that's that's hard to use on the defensive end. It just is. You're trying to defend really athletic 6'4 guys when you're six inches shorter and you know, giving up a lot of weight, it's going to be very difficult. I think we should take a second and just kind of talk about Marquise, whatever his name is, Noel, if we can pronounce that. Marquise. He's five foot seven, which I think everyone's been talking about. So that's going to be something to keep an eye on. I've heard that he kind of plays around that and finds ways to get to the rim and goes over and around his defenders. But I, I see him as being a backup to Nigel Pack. I don't see any anything else he's really going to be doing. So if he's accepting that role, I think he can make a good contribution to the team. I know he's had some issues at, at Little Rock from where he transferred from and departed the program in February. So we'll see how, how that works out in his locker room issues. But if he buys in and he cares, I know he was posting on Instagram the other day that he was in the gym. Um, it was his third workout of the day. So I think he's, he's buying in and he wants to win. Um, we'll see if they can keep him in check. Because you're essentially replacing Rudy Williams with Noel. I mean, that's mm-hmm. essentially what they did. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's 100% what they did, yeah. And it's an upgrade. I mean, I don't know much about Noel, but I don't know how much better Rudy Williams was going to get. And I think that's evident by him landing at Coastal Carolina and good for Rudy. He's a good kid, but I think that they got better with Noel, and I think they got better with Smith. You know, regardless of the people that have left the program, I think that these two guys make the program better. So, yeah, to answer the question... They know they need to win, and I think that this moves them a step forward. Maybe not, you know, it doesn't point the needle in the direction completely, but it's definitely trending up. I don't know what happens to Mike McGurl. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
I think the question about you have to put, you know, you can only start two out of three, and Mike McGraw was included. I think that Mike's probably back to being the six. He should be. If they that's, want to make that's his role, they've got to have him at the six. He can't really. And I don't see start. Bruce doing that. I just don't see him relegating a guy that came back for an extra season to, to being a backup. But I would disagree with that's a demotion and role. I would I would believe that there's some nobility in being that six man coming off the bench to bring energy and defense. And Mike embraced it when he was younger. But the the, the end goal was to be a, maybe a starter when he was a senior. So I don't know if he'd be okay with going back to it. Yeah. I could be wrong. I don't know. Next question is from WCAT. What are your thoughts on the Big 12 basketball coaching changes? Hmm. Well, Iowa State probably needed to do it. Really? <laughs> that was going to happen. <laughs> I'm, I'm astonished they paid him that money. Mm-hmm. True. Well, I mean, fans on our board have said, well, if Iowa State could pay out that, it's fiscally irresponsible to do it. It, it just is. He should have never been in a position to having a contract that would have been five-plus million dollars to buy out. So, again, I think ADs in a general sense and in college athletics do a crappy sense of a crappy job of being stewards of their financial responsibilities. Too many, too much promised money in college athletics. Too many buyouts. Give them more money up front with less on the buyout. Let make them perform now, and if they don't see you, here's your buyout of the Dairy Queen gift card. It's just me, but I don't mind get Dairy Queen. I mean, it's lovely in the summer. Um, Oklahoma, that caught me off guard, but makes sense. I mean, especially with. Lon's son getting a head coaching job in Vegas, so I, I see them probably relocating to Vegas and just, you know, being a being a dad and a grandpa and playing a lot of golf, which is good. I mean, Lon always has the big golf tournament in Vegas every year for coaches versus cancer and makes it make that job a lot easier. Who else? Who am I forgetting? Texas. Oh, Texas. That he Dana Altman the crap out of that thing, didn't he? <laughs> I mean, that's exactly how Dana Altman Left K-State. They, you know, had a decent year. I think that was their NIT year where they went to the Final Four of the NIT. Looked like things were turning, and he goes, adios. I know you guys want me fired eventually. That's exactly. I mean, Shaka knew they were stalking him and losing in the first round of the tournament. Made people unhappy. And and he got out of town and went to a great basketball school where basketball is king. And maybe he can get the type of players he needs to get to get back to his VCU style of play, which always baffled me. He played one style at VCU and changed the style when he came to Texas. Just never made sense to me. Got closer to it this season, but I think he felt too much pressure to get five-star, four-star guys that weren't going to do the dirty work. Marquette just seems like a good fit yeah. for Shaka Smart. I agree. It just seems like a good type of school for him to go to. Plus, if he does well there, I could see him going back to a Power 5 school in the future. Yeah, I don't. I don't because um, I could see Shaka doing well there and staying because, I mean, that's essentially a power six school, you know? Yeah. And it's really important. Marquette's got a big basketball budget. I could see Shaka going up if he gets going at Marquette. Brad Stevens and you mean, going you to mean the NBA. Up is in the NBA, yeah. not the power five. Right. Okay. I think, I think I think I think you're that's that's fair. Shaka is a lesson for everyone that Texas is attempting to hire. You're going to be number two, at best, at Texas. At best, I mean, 
Fans don't care about basketball. They just don't. They don't show up. They don't care. They love baseball. Hell, they even, when they were rolling, they loved women's basketball. So, I mean, it's just not important to Texas. Building a new arena, though. They are building a badass new arena, which will be interesting. It'll be probably great for concerts. Um, probably it might be one of the smallest in the conference. 10,000 seats, I think, yeah. or something. Well, TCU is. Yeah, TCU well, smallest. one of. Yeah. <laughs> not um, the and, and plus, sized you know, it, Texas sounds great, but there's so many distractions. They're just that that network. They can deny it all they want. That network's a problem. It's a it's an ongoing distraction. Making breakfast with Shaka Smart. <laughs> How to wake up with Shaka Smart? Let's I mean, bring Wally on here. He can give us his statistics. Oh my God! God, it's just cra- I, I'd be very very leery of it. I almost feel like they need to hire uh, the less miles of basketball coaches to handle all that and let the associate head coach actually do the coaching. Paging Bob Knight. <laughs> oh, God, can you imagine? <laughs> Curse words with Bob there? Knight. <laughs> Who else could coach? Dickie V? Oh. <laughs> no, I don't know. I'm, I'm happy for Shaka. Uh, they really want Chris Beard. No. I don't know if that's going to happen. I, I'm it. rooting for Texas Tech to hang on to him, but he is a Texas alum. And Texas, is, I feel like right now he's trying to drive him crazy. How about $5 million? How about $5.5 million? How about $6 million? If he goes, he's going to get paid serious money. And that's who they want. But they might settle on another K-State coach. You know, this. who knows? Or KU coach, in this case, would be Turgeon. Wichita State coach. Mm-hmm. That's a bad fit. Yeah. Do that. That'll be fun. That little smurf. How about Frank staying at South Carolina, meaning that Mike Boynton stays at Oklahoma State and gets a hefty, hefty, hefty contract there? Okay, here's my theory. Frank played chicken with him. Oh, we love it here. In other words, I'm not leaving unless you pay this huge buyout. And they realize we can't right now, so we're going to hang on to you. We'll get Boynton later. Which... I haven't seen the contract. I don't know what's in that contract. Maybe there's a big buyout. Maybe there's an escape. I don't know. Mike Boynton will be be at South Carolina eventually. May not be in five years, but he's going to Bob Huggins someone and end up there. Oh, I I think it's inevitable. But for the sake of the conference, how Boynton stays is I love that dude. I mean, really, it's it's and even consider K State. You know the rumors of Bruce. Potentially retiring at one point, you know that's six coaches there that could potentially leave. It's crazy. Scott Drew, well, I haven't even talked about Bill Self either. Scott Drew might be the only coach, yeah, that's truly safe in his position or not looking to leave. Jamie Dixon as well, you know, like everybody else could potentially change. Other Bob Huggins, Bob Huggins might retire at some point too. What's the best job available in college basketball right now? Is Indiana still open? No, no they they Mike got. Woodson. Yeah. Oh, I miss that totally. Texas. Yeah. As as weird as it is to say, Texas is probably the best job. Well, Scott Drew's not going anyplace unless it's a private school. <laughs> Period. Let me read into that what you want. <laughs> um, this is not going to happen. He's not going to play go anywhere where you're subject to Freedom of Information Act. Um, and and I think Oklahoma. I'm I'm telling you, Frank Martin is the perfect fit for that job. They will freaking love him. 
and he'll kick it back into gear being at a school that cares about basketball. But I think it's funny that two of the top six guys are former K-State coaches. Mm-hmm. If they hire Altman, literally mimicking what K-State did, mm-hmm. it would just be hysterical. But why would Altman go? The Pac-12 is now finally breaking through and getting some love. From KNED, who would you would you rather have Wichita State's conference championship first four season, or would you rather have Houston's final four season? We got You want the final four? I don't understand the question here. Yeah, I, that's a pretty easy answer for me. I, I could play devil's advocate on this one. Okay, go. Cool. You want the conference championship? Well, did they share it? Look at where Wichita State was last year, and look where they are now. Houston has been good for the past few years. I mean, Kelvin Sampson's a heck of a coach. Wichita State was at K-State level. They had everybody leave. It was more than K-State. So I think when you take into expectations, people at Wichita State are probably a little bit more ecstatic than the people at Houston are right now. Not to say that Houston's Final Four is you know tainted in any way but they didn't even play a single digit seed the whole entire tournament so i can understand the question as far as this actually being a question now granted i would rather have the final four but i can see how if you think wichita state's conference championship from now compared to where they were a year ago how you could see how that maybe would be a little bit more attractive i think yeah when you put it in that context like when did greg marshall get fired was it September? Yeah. October? You know, whenever it was, if you would have told them at that moment, would you rather be in the final four this year? Or would you rather win the conference championship? I mean, you'd you'd want obviously the final four, but considering what Wichita State's status of the program was, you'd think that both of those were completely unrealistic. So I can see why you can appreciate the Wichita State conference championship. But I'd still take Houston's Final Four. But I get the I get the argument that Wichita State was in shambles and they were able to pull out a conference championship and they're back to where Wichita State basketball has and probably should be. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, I get it. I mean, Wichita State had no expectations and there was a lot of expectations for Houston. But at the end of the day, I'm never going to pick a conference title over a Final Four. Let me spin off this question. If you're Kansas football, do you mimic what Wichita State did in basketball and just let your interim coach take the take the year and see what happens? No. Wichita State. Well, had what success. do you? Well, what do you do if you don't let the interim? Co- who? What are you do? Who are you going after? Well, does Wichita State have an athletic director right now? You mean KU? No. Well, yeah, that's what, I, that's what I'm saying. I mean, well, that's my point. Is you don't have an athletic director. I mean, just. I mean, the new athletic director will have to come up with it, but I have a sense that nobody wants that job. I mean, it's kind of like, hey, you get to be uh, the head of the San Diego Zoo, but you're also going to have to shovel elephant shit (laughs) because there's a whole bunch about hit the ground in there. I mean, you've got a big pile left by less miles. And Bill Self might be leaving you one of the biggest messes in college athletics if it plays out. It's just, it it would you'd have to pay me a lot of money that they're not willing to pay to be the athletic director of Kansas. But guys have egos. There's a huge difference I think between basketball coaches and football coaches. The egos in football compared to the egos in basketball. I mean, when was the last time you'd see you wouldn't see a football coach leave Texas 
to go to, uh, you know, say a school like Marquette. That's I can't think of it off the top of my head, right. but you wouldn't see that in football. In basketball, it happens. Well, you can still compete for a national championship at Marquette. You know, the equivalent being leaving Texas to go to, can't even think of it, an equivalent, Cincinnati. Kentucky. Cincinnati. You can win a lot of games, but you yeah. don't get a chance to play for a national championship. Yeah. Boise State. Central Florida. Central Florida. South Florida. One of those types of schools. Anymore? Uh, Navy. Navy. (laughs) (laughs) Great institution. Not going to win a championship. Okay. Fair enough. Next question is from Adam K 63 Is the transfer portal something that's becoming too convenient for players? Yep. But it has to be. Because... Oh, hell, I'll say it. Bill Snyder wouldn't let players transfer. He just would delay the process, delay the process. It just kind of hold them hostage. It was never fair. It was one of the things I didn't like about him. And he could, you know, I understand what his motivation in some ways was. That slow down. You really don't want to do this. You're, you know, you're not going to want to uproot from school, your friends, and everything. But it also played out like... Oh, you're mine. I'm not letting you go. So the portal has to be convenient. It just has to be equitable and convenient. It it probably should have, you know, some some hurdles after you enter the portal to make it less convenient. I don't know what that would be. Like you gotta learn juggling or something. You gotta have another skill set. I'm not sure. I, but it is too easy right now to say I quit. I'm in the portal. Who wants me? And days while Gordon's finding out nobody. Yep. Nobody. It it is very fascinating to watch the guys that you think would go into the portal and have great success. You know, they were a five star, four star guy, and they kind of sit out there a little bit because everyone saw their real value. And yet the was it the Michigan point guards from Harvard? Yeah. You know, I mean I, I don't really care that K-State got a guy from Arkansas Little Rock or Missouri. The Arkansas Little Rock guy could end up being better. You just don't know. You don't know how this is going to play out. You don't know how their game's going to translate to this level. The portal's too convenient. It's a mess. But now you got to you can't just undo it and go back to the way it was cuz that was wrong. So you got to you got to find some way to make this a little bit more I don't know, challenging. It's convenient for the players, but it's convenient for the coaches, too. I mean, and K-State just, up until this year, K-State has not been good in the portal, at least for basketball. They've been bad. It's it's convenient. The portal's easy. You can go to the portal. You can find an experienced player who can make your team better, and K-State was bad at it. until. And we still don't know what these two new transfers are going to do. If they're bad, K-State's still bad at using the portal. It's convenient to find players to help your team. So it's a two-way street, in my opinion. Yeah. It, it's easy It's easy to enter, but it's also easy to go in there and say, hey, that guy can help. Let's get him out and get him into our team. My, my thing is I think maybe the portal needs to be two-pronged. And I don't know how you play this out. Some guys are in the portal just because they want something better. Their academics are fine. They were in good standing with their previous program. Rudy Williams, you know, I mean – I get why Rudy left. He's behind a really talented freshman point guard. He's going into his senior season. I don't know if he'll start at Coastal Carolina. He might, but it'll be a better situation for him. He'll play more. It should be. And honestly, there's guys like 
Dejuan and Antonio who aren't leaving by their own means necessarily. There's probably something going on with the program. Now, I think that might be quietly known out there. That might point to why they're having some issues. And a guy like Mark Smith, who was liked by his team, just hops right into a new program. And a guy like guy like Dejuan, who had dreams of, I don't know, playing for the Knicks. I'm not sure what he, where he thought he was transferring to. Might end up at DePaul. You know, a, a lowly program that used to be great, but isn't a shell. It's a shell of what it was one day. So it's almost like there's two sides of the portal. There's the the dark side and the light side. And the dark side is we know you're in the portal because you got kicked off. And that's a different beast right there. It really is. Next question, another one from Adam K63. Has has COVID this year made a difference in this year's NCAA tournament? I think it did early. I mean, I don't know what to do with UCLA. I can't figure this out. I can't figure out UCLA. I, I thought USC was a lot better than UCLA. In fact, I mean, I looked at a number of Pac-12 programs. I thought they're better than UCLA, and here we are. They're in the Final Four. My God, can Gonzaga get a break? Yeah, just keep. It's incredible. It's unbelievable. Gonzaga, if you don't win a national championship this year, come on, man. What are you doing? If they lose it to Baylor, at least it was Baylor. Yeah. And at least, at least it's shaping up that we're going to get the game for the national championship that we deserve. Right. And how often can you say that we got the national championship that we were, that we truly deserved? Which really is not, even if Houston goes. Uh, you know, I'm not really upset by by that, but at least if it's Gonzaga Baylor, that is the matchup of the year, and we finally Player get the something best like that. Yep, I agree. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think mean, a viewing experience it hasn't made that much difference. I mean, besides the fans, obviously not yeah. as many people being there. But I really like the fact that the announcers are in the arena as opposed to having to listen to the delay. Like right. we got to with ESPN Plus. I've, I've never, I haven't. I, my conspiracy theory is ESPN just took the year off. It's like, we're going to save money on this, not send anyone. They could have sent people and, you know, they could have been backed up. They're not on the court Mm-mm. for the NCAA tournament. They could have been backed up just like the radio guys. Wyatt and Stan were up in the stands. They were up in one of those suites, weren't they? I don't know. I, I think the NCAA term has been fine. It's been good. And it shows that we can function just fine as a society if we take some precautions. Now, can we stop with the absurd mask theater on the sidelines? <laughs> I I am sick of seeing coaches with their mask around their chin. Yeah. They don't need a mask. They're in a bubble. They are in a bubble. They are tested basically daily. Nobody on that sideline, nobody in contact with those players has COVID. Unless it activated during the game, which I guess is possible. The reason the announcers are up and away, because they're not in the same bubble. They're not, they're away from the players. Everyone who isn't being tested on a regular basis is nowhere near those players. You don't need to have a mask on the sideline. It's it's ridiculous. The players are breathing all over each other on the court. The referees are running up and down the court. But then when they stop to talk to each other, they put a mask on. <laughs> Come on. Jeez. It's that kind of stuff that are wearing people out. Yeah. I mean, setting aside any logic here. I mean, 
the reason we're doing this, the reason we're unmasked is I'm vaccinated. Zach's had it. And you two are young bucks that are going to defeat this thing with one hand tied behind your back. So, yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate the fact that they've pushed forward. And short of Virginia Commonwealth, we really haven't had a major issue. Mm-hmm. And that sounds like it was just because they were reckless. How about Kim Mulkey's comments? That was a little bit much. That was. <laughs> I, I I understand the sentiment. She took it way too far, but I think that in in lieu of stopping testing, you should say, okay, you know, you're the final four. If you have problems, we'll just delay. You know, we'll, yeah. we'll wait until you're okay to play. You know. It may take here. a couple of weeks, but oh, she said that she they, after they lost, she said that it'd be a shame if uh, if one of the teams you know came back positive and you know they made it all the way to the final four of the national championship game mm-hmm. and they had to be kicked out due to COVID. Hmm. So she which, said they which, should stop testing. Yeah, so she said they should stop mm-hmm. testing. Which yes, I agree. It's a shame if they if they make it that far, but they should still keep testing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're in the bu- I mean, you're in the bubble. You've made it so far doing all of this, you know, the bubble, the the quarantining, the testing, you know, it's it's you're you're very unlikely to catch it if you guys all follow, right. you know, the your protocol. Pro- your protocol. If you all follow protocol and stay in your hotel rooms, you'll be fine and for I know another it 7 days. It sucks. But you'll make it through as long like, as you, you know, don't break the suck rules. Worse getting covid right before the national championship game so don't do that yeah that she went a little bit far but you know i think it emphasizes the fatigue people are having Mm -hmm. because when you keep putting up rules that really don't have rule reason to the rule like wearing a mask on the sideline you know or or wearing a mask while you're being interviewed with a by a reporter that's six feet away what or on zoom i mean yeah yeah so anyhow, I uh, I think they've done a marvelous job of staging it. I had a column up about how I think they can learn lessons from this, and my idea was, you know, just have regionals in a site. You know, don't have it. I go back to the what was it, two thousand? What year was that? I had I had my damn column when K State was in the first four, then went to Sacramento. If they'd won, they'd gone to Memphis, and if they'd won, the Final Four was in Phoenix. Now, since they lost to Cincinnati. So did whoever came out of Sacramento ended up going back to Memphis and then someone would have gone, you know, out of Memphis. It might have been from a different quad, but ended up going to Phoenix. Why are we traveling that way? That doesn't make sense. Just go to a just go to a regional site. Especially in years past where they talk about the jet availability. You know, they have yeah. to wait days. You know, you're still sitting around for at least a day or two just waiting on a plane to take you home. Um yeah, they well, only have so not? many jets yeah. that they gotta connect all the dots to. Why are you making this so confusing? The regional the Midwest regional next year is in Chicago. Have have the have Illinois be a site? I don't know my venues in Chicago, but there's certainly two big places besides the United Center yeah. where you can play the the first and second round games. Have those, and they all meet at the United Center. You never have to leave Chicago. And if you're a fan or media, you don't have to leave Chicago. I'm going to go watch my team. The first two rounds are going to be in Champaign, which is you know not far from Chicago, and then I'm going right. to go drive into Chicago. Even if Even if you're not in Chicago, if you're at least a car or a bus ride away from right. the Sweet 16, that's where you should play your first and second exactly. round games. Exactly. Like I said in my column, I mean, I think having the first and second rounds in Municipal Auditorium and, and Allen Fieldhouse makes a lot of sense. But you could do it at Wichita and Omaha. 
And then the teams could just hop in a bus mm-hmm. and drive two hours. They're not a, they're not above that. We shouldn't be. And and then go into Kansas City for the regional. You could do it that way. Every everyone has those kind of venues. So I don't know. I I just think they make it too complicated. And I understand they want to spread it around the country. And the thought is, hey, you know, next year I don't know what the I can't remember what the first sites are next year, but they like to have. Bluntly put, they like to have a site near Kansas so they can sell out a first, second round site in Omaha or, you know, I don't know, Wichita, somewhere, and then they'd go to Chicago. I got news for you. If you play the damn first four rounds in Chicago, fans from Kansas are going to go to Chicago for two weeks. They have Walmarts there. They can get new jerseys. They can get new clothes. Just stock them up at the Walmarts in Chicago. They'll go buy their stuff there. Wow. KU fans don't go to Walmart, Fitz. Where do they go? Uh, J.C. Penny. J.C. Penny. Mm. Well, good luck finding one. <laughs> Last question of the podcast from Advocate 63. Is it time for men's college basketball to go to four 10-minute quarters and five fouls per quarter? Yep. I do. I think. Here's my thing is men's and women's basketball are different in the way they're played. But they shouldn't be different in their rules. Now, maybe the three-point line is different because of, and the ball's different just because of the physical differences of the players. But why is one playing quarters and the other one playing halves? Why is college men's basketball the only one playing halves anymore? NBA, high school, international, it's all quarters. And it all makes sense why you would play quarters. Doesn't make sense to me. Now, I'm opposed to advancing the ball to the mid-court line. For a timeout, I'm opposed to this, guys. Is it midcourt in in women's basketball, mm-hmm. or is it? It's the same the, or is, as the NBA. NBA is not midcourt. It's, it's it's like behind, in front of the bench. It's like three quarters for yeah, NBA. Three quarters, yeah. But it's but it's half court for women's, or is it still? Pretty, is it the exact I think same? it's the same for the, the NBA, exact same. Yeah. Okay, so it's you were clearly in your offensive half. Yes. Yeah, I like the advance of the ball. Rule. I do too. It makes the end. It makes. It improves the ending of the games. You know, if it's a three-point game and there's two seconds left and you have a timeout, instead of having to go 94 feet, you have to go 20 or just flip it inbounds and you have an actual shot at a three-pointer. So you get rewarded for doing nothing. Yes! But that's my problem. But it's the same for everybody. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, one game, you know, you're going to be behind one game and you're going to need the advance of the ball rule. You know, the rule, sure, it might benefit the other team when you're ahead, but... You'll certainly take advantage of it when you're the team behind needing to chase. So I think it shows more skill, too. I mean, there's no skill in throwing up a three-quarter of court-length shot to try and tie the game at the end of the game. Yeah. But if you get that timeout and you have a sharpshooter who can catch and shoot, then you're still in the game. Unless you're Michigan. Hey, hey, that's a sensitive topic. We don't have to go there. Yeah. I think, yeah, it's but, time. Yeah. With the women, I feel like that was like an experiment for the men, you know, for all of college basketball, and they did it for a year, probably thinking they'd implement it the next year across, you know, the men too, and they just never did. And the women were like, oh, we'll just keep it. It seemed like an experimental rule that was supposed to be, you know, the trendsetter for all of basketball, and it just never ended up playing out. Mm-hmm. Do they still play halves in Division Two, men? I, lower, I don't I th- know. I want to say that they might even. I don't know. I think in NAI it's four quarters. Well, I'm talking like Division Two, like Washburn and Four Day State. Do they, do they still play halves there? Okay. I guess that'd be weird because K State did play Four Day State this last year. They did. 
Wasn't a real game, though. It wasn't a real game. For Fort Hayes, it was. <laughs> That's Whatever. it for the Pyrocat podcast. Tune in Friday. Is tune in an appropriate way to say in the in the podcasting world, in the streaming environment? Download, look for. Oh, look for. Episode. I like look for the Overtime podcast. I hope you enjoyed uh, the first Overtime. I need to spend a lot of time uh, listening to clips from The Office. Um, Ted Lasso. What else? Brockmire. I need to build up some Parks and Rec. I really need to build up a larger catalog of sound effects. That would require some work. Probably not going to happen this week. Powercat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing. Thank you.